Hello and welcome back to 12 rows back here at the penultimate round of the season. Things getting right up to that pointy end. And I enjoyed everything from Friday night onwards. Uh, not the best Thursday night in my books, but uh, another exciting round. Seb, how did you find things? Yeah, another cracking round. A few interesting results, I would say. Uh, Adelaide looking to be the form team of the competition. Uh, September specialists. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a stat in there. Uh, if you want to delve into it. Uh, plenty of teams looking forward to the end of the season. Um, everything's gone wrong in the, the west of Sydney. And um, teams are still fighting over each other to not get that eighth spot and start their holidays 10 days early. Yeah, there's a bit of that, isn't it? It's a bit just who who's going to fall in there. I mean, we, we are talking right now as the last game of the rounds completing the uh, Suns and the Pies. Um, so we're keeping an eye on that one, but um, yeah, just yeah, one of those rounds. I think um, you know that that Saturday result was a game I just had my eyes on as a Saints fan. I know we're we're really clinging to that spot. I think um, we said in our warm up we found the Saints a dollar oh eight to claim that last spot. But uh, yeah, look, I'm just I'm just hoping we get that win so that uh, we can lock that up. That makes me nervous seeing the dollar oh eight as a Saint or even a D's fan. I think you'll find we uh, have to earn all of our uh, our uh, final spots. So yeah, he's hoping. But anyway, we'll we'll cover that I, later. I on. think what, you what, Saints fans have been clinging on to the ladder for a while, and, and you were clinging on at the second rung, and you've just sort of lost a bit of grip, and you've slipped down. And you're just praying you can hold on until time is right that you get to play a final. Um, and we will get into our ladder predictor and, and just go through what might be the first round of the finals starting on that. What is it? It's going to be a. Was it going to be a Wednesday or a Thursday? Are they talking? Well, I think that they'll look at the Thursday. Just um, what do they do? Thursday, Friday, maybe two on the Saturday. I don't think. I think Sundays it's a Wednesday, out. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All, all at night. Yep. I guess that's probably all fair. All at night. So they all play in Dewey, Queensland. Or well, I think I think Port will get a home final if they finish top two, which looks extremely likely. They'd have to things that have to go drastically wrong, but stranger things have happened. Uh, but yeah, look, a bit of bit of good news, I guess, for one club off the top. Uh, yeah, our man, our man, the uh, the Jet up in Sydney, Tommy Papley, has re-signed with the Swans. Yeah, that that's that's massive news. Um, for a, a bit of context to our, our listeners out there, so you might be wondering what the obsession is. I mean, Papley is a great player and he's great to watch, but we do have a big Carlton following uh, amongst our listeners, and one in particular just was confused last trade period about why you would bother trading a first round for Papley for tooth and nail all trade week to say why he wasn't worth getting. And we've seen this season, and we constantly bring it up, just how much of a difference he would have made to the Blues. I think uh, there's... Well, we went through them a few podcasts back, and there is multiple games where he could have been the difference. So that's a blow for them. It's massive for Sydney, though. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it's good to it's good for any club to lock up those players who, who you've drafted and brought into the system, and they've sort of shown something. And obviously, he's shown a lot. Um, so it's really good for clubs to sort of lock and hold on to them there's nothing worse than like Geelong bringing in Tim Kelly finding him in the waffle and then after one year he was heavily caught and after two he yeah. was out of contract they got a good haul for him but I'm sure right now 
given where they're situated on the ladder, they'd much rather have TK running around in that side. Um, that would be a frightful side, I think, with uh, Kelly in the mix, given their form during the season. You throw him into the mix. Absolutely. Now, I've got a question about Papley. Um, yeah. You might say I'm drawing a long bow with this, but Carlton's, I like it. Carlton's form the last couple of weeks hasn't been great. Um, no, nah, well, you, you, when you lose to the bottom side, the Crows, I know they're in form, but they are still the bottom side. So, yeah, loss yeah not, a not a great loss when, like, they win that, they're in the mix of finals. That that yeah. straight up ruled them out. Still, they needed a few results to go their way. But in uh, in AFL circles, a lot of clubs will get news before it lands in the media. Yep. Do you reckon? Do you reckon the Carlton team, the Carlton Football Club, got wind of this Papley signing a week or two ahead, <laughs> and that's just knocked the wind right out of their sails this year? They've- They've heard it hot off the press, and they've, they've dropped a couple. That 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 is the outside the box stuff that we love on this show. That that's I, I don't actually mind that. Maybe I, I don't know a couple of weeks. Maybe they could have got wind of it over the weekend. Maybe maybe filtered through the dressing room at uh, before they well, ran out against Adelaide. He could have said to them, or his management said, "Oh look, no, we're, we're just finalising the contract, but Tom's staying in Sydney." And then obviously, once that's finalised, two weeks later, the news comes out through. Uh, through and it's one of the newsbreakers, and uh, it's absolutely flattened them. Um, it could have been it could have been a number of things. Um, like let's 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 get into that. Um, to- well, I mean, we should notice as well that Carlton actually played Sydney not too. I mean, the rounds. It's not like last week. It's last round. So whether or not you know, I don't. Papley would be the kind of bloke that would sledge, and maybe maybe that filtered into the group from. Coming from post playing Sydney, there was a bit of talk there, and it's probably been on their minds. I, I don't know. I'm loving your theory, so I'm trying to jump on. Yeah, I, I, look, just some of the outside of the box thinking. Um, <laughs> the, look, stranger things have happened in AFL circles. I'm telling you that. Yeah, oh, uh, I wouldn't doubt that. Now, just while we're on the Blues, let's let's talk about this. Two of their w- would you call them greats of the club, or just long-time servants? Uh, I'd probably lean towards long-time servants. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, um, so Life members, yeah, but probably not Hall of Fame. Matty Cruiser Hall of Fame. and Bryce Gibbs have announced <laughs> their retirements. Uh, so, obviously, Matty Cruiser being dogged by injury for the best part of his career. And Bryce Gibbs, South Australian boy, tried to get home, couldn't quite get home. Bit like the Papley situation. Imagine if Adelaide had just coughed it up; they might have a yeah, flag. Yeah, just coughed it up. Um, that was, yeah, that's right. And yeah, that was look. In terms of Gibbs, I don't think he could have walked into a worse situation at a new club with that camp and everything else going on. Well, he's got the double blow because he's also, you know, walked into Carlton not too long after their salary cap concession gate, I guess. So <laughs> he's picked two clubs on their lowest ebb. So I was watching the end of that game, and obviously Bryce Gibbs' last game, uh, last game at AFL footy, and what do you know, Mark Murphy and Cade Simpson carried him off the ground, both wearing their, obviously, Carlton strips, Bryce having a long history at Carlton, but an Adelaide player now. Um, how did that strike you? Yeah, look, it was odd seeing seeing the double, I think. We've, we've seen other, other teams do it where, you know, they do have the connection, and you, you usually get one each. I think it was a bit of a bit of a statement about where he's at with the 
with the Crows that there wasn't really anyone that they could throw in there and, and they've gone the two Blues, whether or not the Blues just jumped at it. But I think, yeah, it, it, it was puzzling to me that they went the double. It, it, I, I think it made his standing with the Crows a little bit... It, it took away from that. So uh, it, it just said he was a Blue. You know, that, that was the statement that was made. So I'm not sure... I mean, it, the Crows are obviously happy with it because it happened, but it was odd. It was very odd. What did you think? Yeah, he um, he was never a Crow, was he? <laughs> he was always a Blue. Always a Blue. Went out, played his last couple of years out there, 500k a year. Thank you very much for the chocolates. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Carry me off, Blues. Um, and ironically, he probably wanted nothing more when he started his career to go and play for the Crows. Yeah, exactly. He was a South Australian boy, um, but it just didn't happen. Um I thought it was odd, and then I did some research, and it wasn't that long ago that James Kelly was off, chaired off in an Essendon jumper with Joel Selwood, and don't know who the, there was. There was an Essendon player on the other side. Don't know, it might have been Heppel. Yeah. Um, but I still thought that was odd because Selwood, to me, has been the ultimate competitor of once you cross the white line. Yeah, that's, that's right. it. You're... I'll go you as hard as I can, and I would have thought that the same applied to you across the line the other way. Um, but obviously they're, they're great mates. Um, and I think I think it's good to be able to do it um, and to not have that footy all-consuming your life. And people probably forget because supporters hate other clubs so much. Players are all yeah. friends. Like, they're work colleagues effectively, um, to, to put it in a term you might understand. And, like, you might see people working in another company, but you can be friends with them because you've got some common ground. So the players are all friends. And, and given Bryce spent, what, 95% of his career in a Blues jumper, it was fitting to see him carried off like that. Yeah, look, great career from Bryce. But, uh, yeah, a bit of, bit of a what caught our eye, I think, that, that last one. So we, we, were just look, we were talking about this before the show. And did they actually reach their full potential um, is the question. And I, I think... I think it's a really hard thing to assess because where you get drafted and where you play a footy matters so much yeah. in the current day. And look at all the talent that's gone to the Gold Coast and so many of them were going to be the mid great, they were going to be this, they were going to be that. And I think Jago Amira was going to win a Brownlow one day. Um, you know, they've, they've been talked up. Ugh, they've been spruiked and I couldn't think of a worse situation to go and play. Um in the Gold Coast. So I'd give him a little pass. Cruz has been hit by injury. So from what I understand, I don't think he could have done anything more. So I, I would say he got the most out of his career and just injury yeah, absolutely. didn't and, go and his that, way. Yeah, that's right. I think, yeah, freak, freak injuries. He had some freak injuries over the journey. I think he, you can correct me on this, he played about 189 games. So that that's still, that's a fair career mm. by, you know, your average AFL standard. And, I guess yeah, like you say, the the pick one really just muddies the water. If if they if these two are pick tens, then it's great careers. But it's just that number one probably being Carlton number ones as well. Um, what what about I mean, this this is a, what about sorry what about Carlton? No, no, I'm saying that well that they've got uh, we talked about last week with the big four. They do get that big media following. So you know some clubs that get number one picks, obviously they get drummed up more. You know your sort of savior type picks save the club type picks um that was definitely cruiser and gibbs they were the, the future of the blues so they they just copped undue heat i mean yeah like we said off the top i think they they go down as club greats life members club hall of fame i don't know 
And that's probably about uh, that's that's where you leave it, I think. I don't think either was all Australian, if I'm not mistaken. I I wouldn't have thought either of them got there. They would have been close, I reckon. Yeah, a couple of years in there, but I don't think they would have got there. Correct us if we're wrong. We um don't spend too much time researching Carlton. We just like sinking the boots in. Um, yeah, fair. That, that was an interesting point you made about them being hailed as a saviour. So I would say as a secure supporter, you've got a lot of yeah. experience in getting <laughs> that number one pick and having Spoken. a saviour. Oh, yeah. As a North Melbourne supporter, we've never had one. Not in our history have we had the first pick in the draft. Yeah, there you go. Well, We'll we'll get to the the section later on. I mean, if results go a certain way, you could have one this year. But uh, we'll get to that. But um, we, I, we can get to that, and we still won't have the first pick because it's a bloody compromised draft. Yeah, and true. there'll be an academy pick, and that'll be pick two. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But yeah, look, that the, it is the interesting point. The the savior, I guess, of the club. I mean. Some clubs, I mean, not all not all number ones are the saviour. Um, you sort of picture Essendon when they dropped down and they got Andy McGrath. Uh, I wouldn't say he was a saviour. He was just a great pickup that they got just because of that. Um, the Suns just want to get talent, so I wouldn't necessarily call any of them saviours. Um, Paddy McCartan, I think you could uh, for the Saints. Uh, and, you know, Richmond have had a few as well. Brett Delidio, he'd be up there uh, in that sort of saviour talk I would say obviously yeah, Nick Rewalt for the Saints um, Sam Walsh s- saviour I, I, well that's the way they talk about him yeah well I'd be happy to put him on that list I guess yeah from the talk I've heard as well now if we're talking um, number one all time saviour picks I'll tell you who mine is oh, I reckon I can pick it from here I think I know the year is it 2008 is it Jack Watts Oh yeah, yeah, yep. He was hailed <laughs> as the saviour, the bright. That, that's the classic. And, and he was just a, he was just a really good, classy footballer that was not, just wasn't going to take the game by the scruff of the neck like you needed, need that sort of player to. Um, and yeah, he was the saviour for many a year at Melbourne, um, and unfortunately. He he just went there at the absolute wrong time to go to a football club. I couldn't think of a, a well Gold Coast, but that'd be a close second going to Melbourne in two thousand and eight. I know, as a key forward as well. I mean, I, we'll never know, but I would love it if he, and it wouldn't have happened. But you know, if he he slipped and he was a sleeper in the in the fifties, what kind of career he would have had? Because I think that you know he would obviously would have reached a bit more potential because he wouldn't have been under as much scrutiny. But uh, yeah, back back on Cruiser and Gibbs, I think yeah, great careers. Uh, I did say uh, before we came in, I, I didn't want to uh, pot them on the way out because I, I think they've been great players. Particularly, I think a shout out to the Ruckman Cruiser. I think he, his best was you know pushing those. Well, I'm not going to say he was elite, but he, he was pushing those elite Ruckman in the comp at, at his very best. Um, but we just didn't see it, you know, for a whole season or, or two. It was it was in patches or, in, you know, in parts of games. And, um, look, that's a sad one for the Blues, but I think, yeah, they could be happy with his career at number one. Um, and same with Gibbs. I think um, consistent Bryce Gibbs was, I think. You, you, could, you could lock him down for 20-plus possessions every week. Uh, had his damaging moments, but, um, yeah, look, great careers. 
moving on to our next point, and uh, I might have, I might be going early. I don't know if I usually get into Tom Takes Aim this early into uh, into a podcast, but I've got. I don't even know if I want to go here, but I'm just going to go here anyway. I've got a club in mind, and I've got their fans in mind as well for this week's Tom Takes Aim. So you might, you'll definitely remember Seb. End of round two, a certain football club had beaten the Saints and beaten the Giants, and they were talking so much about how good this season was going to be. I'm talking about Roos fans. I just want to know, I'm taking aim at you because I want to know where you're at. I feel like as a supporter base, you've accepted that you're in the bottom four. You've accepted that Bryce is throwing, I mean, sorry, Reese is uh, throwing the magnets around. But I want to see some of that anger, some of that passion, because this season isn't good enough, is it? In what sense? You Start of the year, would you be happy to have seen this season? Well, like, I want to know what happened in the, you know, you can represent the Roos supporter base here, but what's happened between we're going high on the ladder, we're pushing finals, we're going in the eight to now, just where where did the, where did the season wear you down? Where did you sort of realise, you know, it's just not happening this year? Well, look, we started off, we played one game against the Saints when we really played one good quarter of football, and that was enough. Yeah. And then coronavirus hit and the season was called off for three months. And then we came back and we, we beat the Giants. And for full transparency, at that point, I thought we could win the grand final. <laughs> no, you're honest. That, that's what that's just what I'm getting into because the hopes were high at that point. And I, I'm just trying to fill in the blanks. I know, obviously, you lost a lot of games, but just where it sort of started to... I mean, this... Uh, and you... By the way, for our listeners, I've sprung this on Seb, so, you know, take your time. But I'm thinking, um, yeah, I'm just wondering where, where it all where it all changed, I guess. What what, what moment? It, was there a moment? Uh, well, I wouldn't say there's a specific moment. Um, have you seen the injury ladder this year? Uh, no, I'd, I'd give give that a run. I, and you, you've got some fair players on that list. You, do you know who's top of most games lost to their best 22 through injury? It's North Melbourne. North Melbourne. Yeah. So injuries are going to hit hard, and they're going to hit harder when you're playing a short season, condensed condensed rounds. Um, you're not taking your full 40 up to the Gold Coast. You're only taking 32 um, for the last seven years when we were playing in preliminary finals we were told the list doesn't have enough talent and instead of going back to the draft and sitting at the bottom to get the talent we ploughed through and kept trying to win games of football and we've done pretty well you know we haven't had the ultimate success but if you look back over the last 12 years you've got Hawthorne, Sydney and Geelong and that is oh, Sydney probably only one I'm going back to 2005 with that, but throw Sydney West Coast in, you go back to 2005, I reckon that's eight or nine flags. Four plus three plus two, 11 flags out of those four clubs. So not many other clubs have really done much. Um, and we had one bad year where we lost so many games by under a kick. We drafted a kid, Luke Davies-Uniak, who is an absolute star. Chris Judd-like is, is the talk around town, not from me. No, no, look, I'll, I'll give you that. He, he had talk like that when he came out of uh, draft night. So it's good to see some of that potential coming through. And now we're sitting, we're going to have pick two. 
maybe down to pick three with a compromise draft. We're going to have pick 10 down to 11, thanks to Melbourne. Thank you, yep. Melbourne. That's, that's very nice to have. We're going to inject some more talent in, and we're just going to keep going. We had five rising stars last year. Yeah, well, Bailey that, Scott, that was what, that was Nick Larkey. Uh, who else will we have? We've had uh, Curtis Scott. Taylor this year. Uh, Taron Thomas. Like We've got all these great kids under 22. We haven't got many in the 22 to 26, 7 bracket that are really good. And then we've got a few top ends. Higgins, we've got Cunnington, Goldstein. That's all I'd have in our top end. Um, I honestly believe our captain lets us down and shouldn't be captain of the club. I don't think he's good enough as a league footballer. Um, and There's a scoop. I, I know that personally from you, but look, that that's well, probably a fair call. Full disclosure, let's walk back to 2014. Zeebel had been in the system... Yeah, he, he was say, part of the same class as uh, Nanui and, and yeah, Watts. Yeah, I was going to say five, six years... We had Andrew Swallow, our captain. We had an out-and-out star in Ben Cunnington coming into the league, and we had Zeebel. They all did the same thing. They went in hard, in and under players, got the ball out. Zeebel had the currency because he was considered a you know was a high pick and, and was really good. And the club saw him as a future captain, which turned out to be true. So we kept him on, and he's now captain. And um, let's just say if he was kicking the ball from a boat, he couldn't hit water. <laughs> It, yeah, that's that's look, a fact. I've, if you, if you've I've watched him play, point. watch him kick. He will either turn and kick long as far as he can, most likely to the opposition, or he'll try and do a little dinky one inboard and miss it. He's a good shot for goal. That's great. But well, that that was the thing when you when you were talking about those names, you know, Yazebel v Cunnington sort of debate. I think you know Yazebel showed he had a bit of goal kicking now in him particularly over Cunnington, who was probably a bit more harder. But, I mean, that, that brings the fans in when you can win your own ball and, and kick a goal. So that, that probably put him ahead, I guess, in most people's eyes. But, yeah, just that uh, If Cunnington played for the Bombers leadership. or the, the, the Blues or, or Collingwood, he'd be talked about as one of the top ten mids in the comp consistently. He, he is that good when he picks it up. And, and he, he's, his hands, he'll just extract it and put it out in front. And he's been injured most of this year, and our form has mirrored his. Yeah, well, that, that, that's a fair point too. Look, I guess it's moved from Tom Takes' aim to just more an, an assessment because I, yeah, look, I know you're sitting seventeenth, but it is just good to, uh, you know, just just see your thoughts on the ruse. I think, uh, yeah, look, I've given the Saints a lot of airtime, but um, good, good to hear your uh, thoughts on on the ruse there. I mean, yeah, look, you can't do much with the injuries, I think. And, and look, I wouldn't have blamed you. I, I was thinking the same. I thought you were a top eight side. Um, yeah, as we've seen in the year, it doesn't take you know too many losses to. Um, turn into oh geez we're really at the the bottom end of the uh eight oh sorry of the ladder here and, and and that probably affects affects the group as well i guess you've had a bit not not drama but just you know the ben brown issues how they've affected the club as well um what issues is that? well that he hasn't been able to produce or have a midfield that can deliver to him and he can perform at the rates we've known because uh, I don't put it all on his head that he has he's had a bad year, he's out of form. I, I think he's struggled with supply and the delivery coming in. And you would you correct me if I'm wrong on that? I think it's more to do with what he's been able to... Because he's not your classic many-trick 
ponies. Uh, sorry, he's a more of your one-trick pony mark lead-up type, and you need good delivery for that. So I'm saying this year, I guess that that's affected what his on-field form's been able to reach. So he's had ten bad games this year. Yeah, you you tell me. But I'm I'm not sure how many he played, but he hasn't played the last five or six, I reckon. Uh, I'll look it up now. You're aware over three years prior, he kicked sixty plus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Leading so, goal kicker in that in that period. So, which is why he's in this he's in this limelight. But a players allowed bad games, or is it is that gone now? If you have if you have a bad run of games, you just let's get rid of him. No, well, no, I I don't agree with that because I think you should keep him. But I, I am I am interested as to why you know I think Jeremy Cameron's had. An average year too, you know, he's gone from being Coleman to to thereabouts. But you know, I guess he's not copying the same level of heat as ben, as a Ben Brown. So I'm just interested in in just what that's done. I don't know if it's I can't say where the you know who in the media particularly, but there's been media heat on him and whether or not it's filtered into your group a little bit. The heat from the media. The media barely well, know just... North Melbourne exists. <laughs> we yeah, we very rarely cop heat, and sometimes as supporters, you'd probably want to see more heat put on the club. Well, maybe that's get, where I'm picturing the heat coming to from, get results. I don't know a lot of fans, yeah. you don't know that many. I know a fair portion of their supporter base. No, I'm potting you there. Now, no, I know. Were look, you I know I were, you were you were saying you knew over half the supporter base earlier? <laughs> and I was claiming that. Yeah, that's clever. That's clever. Um. Look, I can talk ruse all day if if that's what you want to do. I feel like you've been under more pressure than me while we've been discussing this. Well, look, I, I just I'm I, for the f- listeners out there. I, I I just wanted us to talk ruse today. I think it was more Tom takes aim. Let let's put the ruse on the table because, oh, I mean, we we try and cover every club and and sometimes I think you know. Given your rue, I'm a saint. Sometimes we, you know, we we sort of think, oh, let's just mix up the listeners. But I think this is a classic case where we wanted to hear from you and, and your thoughts on the ruse. So, um, I, I look, you've been honest, so I can't. Uh, I've Tom takes aim. I'm, I'm pointing it back on me. You, you've done brilliantly here, Sauce. You've stood up for your football club, and and look, I'm going to be I keep an eye on you because you keep them in my vision, and I have other mates that do as well, so I'll be watching the roost. That's alright. On one, one last thing I will say about North, like it's been a poor season by our standards and really anyone's standards, but if there's going to be a year where you have a poor year, this is the one. Like, <laughs> what can go wrong will go wrong. Like, We're going to get out of it with two first round picks, we're going to pick up two kids we're, and then next year we'll see, who, we'll see what happens. Um, but look, a disappointing year... But there's been a lot of, a lot of silver lining in there, I reckon, um, and we're starting to learn about who can and can't play. And I hope Reese is as ruthless at the chopping block as he might have been on the football field, um, because I think I think the club needs someone to come in and shake it up. Um, but that is look, we'll see what happens trade week. Trade week, this is the place yeah, to be. Good. We're going to yep. give you. <laughs> Breaking news probably one to two days after it happens because we're a podcast format, not live. Um, but we will be debuting next week. New segment called Rumor City. And oh, they will nice. be our very best rumors um, from obviously next week and moving through trade week. They'll be flying left, right and center. Um, and for the listeners, Tom, do you remember a few years ago when 
you ask me because I'm like I'm known to have the odd rumor here or there that sounds very outlandish. And and you said, can you, can you come, up with some come on? Over what years. have you got? I haven't I haven't heard much from you. And this was I think we we just started trade week, and you know you were looking for one, and I just looked at looked at your square in the face and said, oh, Mitchell Mitchell to West Coast. And I think you thought it was Tom Mitchell, I think, at the time. And I, I said, think so. No, 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 no. Sam Mitchell from Hawthorne will go to West Coast. And you didn't believe me. You no, owe me I, a, look, I didn't. You owe me a it, Bundy you, and Coke for that, and I'm still I waiting. I certainly did. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, we're going to go into a few rumours. Um, as trade period heats up and, you know, every club's interested in who's going where and what. Um, so that is all coming up next week. Um, one thing... And this sort of gets brought up a little bit every year, but I think the AFL should have actually tried, decided to try it this year. Uh, uh, yep. Is having a Premier League-style uh, round for the last round and playing every game at the same time. So the standings are impacted all at once and things are just happening all over the place. Is that, am I right in saying that? That's how it works? Yeah, that's right. So just um, for the listeners there, the example I can think of where it was at its absolute peak was uh, Premier League season 2011-12. Uh, Manchester United, Man City both jostling for the top. It legit was each goal in whatever game it was affected the other. Uh, you know, Man City put a couple in in uh, injury time and, and won the title. It was the most crazy finish. I was lucky enough to be uh, up on the couch at 2am watching the... Uh, screens flick back from uh, each game and it was one of the great finishes to the year. I know not as much uh, emphasis on the one time, but I know in the NFL as well with their uh, their sort of Sunday format and East and West Coast that they get big slabs of matches all done at the same time that affects re- results too. So I'm just wondering if it would work and why, yeah, they haven't tried it, especially in this year when it's been such an experimental year. You know, we just saw actually last week the games locked in for 7.30 for our Victorian uh, viewers. And funnily enough, it's actually in five different slots across the country. But anyway, I'm digressing. But uh, yeah, just why they didn't give it a crack this year, The uh, I guess the super round. Well, firstly, they don't need to because they have a bye the following week. So the amount of rest teams get leading up to finals doesn't matter. Everyone's getting your nine, ten-day breaks, um, which, as I said earlier, that was definitely going to happen. That's Gill's baby, and that is here to stay. Um, <laughs> exactly. There, that look, they could have taken a chance on it, but what drives the game is the TV ratings, and they cannot get TV ratings of nine games all at once because you can only watch probably three max. Yeah. In in a household, so. They need to get the ratings and the ad time across the nine different slots, and that is they could certainly change it up and play three or four on the Saturday afternoon. Where yeah, that was going to be my other point. I guess I, I agree with you on the on you know the nine games at once. That that's I mean we're not accustomed to that as well. But when we talk the Premier League, that's part of their competition, a bit of the fabric of the competition. So we're we're not used to that, but we. I mean, I guess not our generation, but earlier than that, I mean, most footy was played on a Saturday, so it's it's not foreign to the sport. But I'm with you that maybe a some sort of super Saturday uh, could be the go. I mean, yeah, I mean, I probably got my Saints hat on if I'm being honest, because I know we're playing on uh, Friday night and we're going to have to wait all weekend to see the uh, outcome of games. Whereas, imagine that Saturday afternoon, you've got the Saints-Giants playing, 
uh, Dons v Demons are going, and Frio and you know the Bulldogs and Collingwood and Power. All those games are really for that fall into the bottom part of the eight. Uh, you know, f- five teams for three spots or something or whatever it is. So, I mean, that would be amazing to see how that would go. The live ladder would be getting a run. It would be this affecting this. It, I mean, can you imagine the last quarter if all those games were close? So, I think they might have missed a super Saturday opportunity. But um, look, I can't argue that all nine's probably excessive. But yeah, I definitely think it's it's a missed opportunity. This particularly, yeah, as we said this year with the experimental sort of nature that we've sort of seen with a couple of other things that they've tried. Yeah, you can look at it as a missed opportunity, most definitely. Um, Here's one thing to think about. What's the one thing the AFL have been trying to drive in through the media for the last 10 years? Oh, good question. It's the constant AFL news cycle, 365 days a year. Having all that drama in a one-hour window does not fit their MO. What they really want is that drama to start on Friday night when the Giants roll the Saints and now the Saints position's in jeopardy. I'm just giving you the example. Yeah, and I now think. we've got all Saturday morning, all those shows can talk about, oh, geez, have the Saints missed a trick? And then you come through and the Bombers will roll the Demons and now it's like, well, the Demons... And, and they can just talk and talk and talk and talk and go right through it and analyse it to death. And then that's how that, that's how the AFL media cycle works. And, and that's another reason, I think, why they didn't really want to go down this path. Yeah. Oh, well, this is to, to digress. Do you think... I mean, that's built into our game that we do like it one game at a time. I mean, do we... Are we... I look at the uh, the uh, NFL where they've, they've got crazy amounts of games on at the same time, yet they... I know the market's bigger. That's probably the main reason. But, yeah, I guess are we behind the times doing it that way, do you think? Well, the NFL has this thing called integrity. <laughs> So teams play on Sunday. Every team plays on Sunday. If you play on a Monday or a Thursday, as is becoming popular for networks, you get shorter breaks, but you get the prime time slot. So you cop it to get your team out there. Otherwise, you're playing off the same amount of days as everyone else. And most of the time, when you're playing the Thursday nights, they try and factor your buy-in before or after it to give you more rest. Um, The AFL, with their fixture, has no sense of integrity, and it's is purely a ratings grab, and that's that's fine. Yeah. Come out and say that is what it is. Do not try and tell us it is a fixture. It's a draw. It's designed for evenness because it hasn't been that way for years, and they're making absolutely no steps towards going back to that. Yeah, look, I fully agree with you there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it speaks for for itself. So. Look, I'm happy to leave that one. Maybe we'll see what uh, eventuates out there. But I, I think, yeah, I guess money and, and and the issues we've covered there. Sorry, so I'll cut this bit. I've lost it there. But It'd be um, fantastic to see. It would yeah. be fantastic to see five games on at once. You're at the G watching your team live. And up there, they've got the scores of the other two, you know, two or three games going on. And you're just watching it. 
Um, I just think it's prime for the the modern day. I guess when we're sort of talking about those Premier League examples, and you might even remember this from footy as a youngster. You know, you sort of you've got your your radio or your wireless, or you had your record that had all the different. Co- you know, I don't know if you remember that the old codes for the old the other games going on on a Saturday. I think yeah, didn't it have it's a record in the record. Experience. Didn't you have a spot for around the grounds where you could put the scores in as they come up on the yeah, screen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember it coming up on that patchy scoreboard out at uh, Arctic Park at Waverley. You know, but it was great as a kid that that got me involved and i guess nowadays you know with phones everywhere it's it's prime for that sort of thing i guess we can handle a lot of information at once but anyway we we digress we're not going to get to the bottom of that and i don't think the afl's going to change it obviously but now now we're into the pointy end of the year this this is what it's about we've got finals on the horizon so we've both gone ahead and done a predictive ladder. I know I've been uh, giving it a run for the last two months just to keep my Saints in the eight. Um, There's only so high we can go. I've tried ones to get us on top. Anyway, I digress, but uh, we've both done one this week and we've both come up with our potential final matchup. So uh, I'll I'll hand over to you, Seb. What what have you got uh, in the opening week or or how'd you go with your predictive ladder? Yeah, look, I think... um... I've got Port finishing on top, which I think goes sort of self-explanatory, but I do have them. Um, their, their percentage is just too strong for them to, to drop down any further. I've got Brisbane sitting second, uh, Richmond third, Geelong fourth, leaving West Coast out of the top four, sitting in fifth, and they were my prediction for the flag, so... I think it's going to be a little bit difficult from there. I've got the doggy sixth, Collingwood seventh, and the Saints finish eighth. Don't worry. We hang in I there. I squeeze you in there um, by three percent. So we've got the D's, go. the D's, and the Giants sitting on nine and eight, just outside. Um, so that is a real tight little little um, spot there, um, which obviously it gives Port a home final. It gives Brisbane a home final. Um, Brisbane Which playing... would both, you'd say, at their home grounds. Yeah, yeah, except um, Brisbane play Richmond, who they don't have a great record against yeah, uh, Richmond up there, although I believe it's a bit of a false narrative because Brisbane have just been terrible. But, um, yeah, I've got Port and Richmond going straight through to the prelim. Um, I actually ended up with a Geelong-Port Adelaide grand final off the predictor. Oh, there you go. 07 style. Hopefully, it's a little bit closer. I doubt. I doubt there'll be 127 points in it, yeah. based on the oh. raid this year's gone. Where Where have you got it? And if you give me Saints top four, I know you're lying because I don't think that can happen. Look, I have done many a a predictive ladder with with us winning it, but uh, look, now if I'm being honest, I think we we had similar results because you know the amount of times you do this, you do get familiar with uh, with who wins. So. I think the only difference is you might have given a win to the Giants and uh, I've given a win to the Saints. So that changes mine slightly and it means that... uh, So we're of the same top five as you, um, which obviously assumes if Port finish top that they're going to beat the Pies. So they finish on top. um, Can I just say for the record, before you go any further, I've done this exactly once. I think you've done it exactly 100 times. That's a fact. I'm happy to put that out there. I've got no idea how the results go. I've just looked at it and gone, yep, this is is what I think will happen. Um, And yeah, yeah. So 
Dif- I've different done way the same of living with you. I mean, if the Giants win, uh, you know, I'm keeping an eye on that Dons D's game because there could be a you know percentage swing if the D's can get a hold of the Dons. So um, I'm keeping an eye on that. But yeah, I have the same top five as you. Actually, I think West Coast miss out on percentage from that top four spot. Um, Saints beat the Giants, so we come sixth and play the Doggies, and then that leaves a West Coast Collingwood final. Elimination final, which we've seen. That's a pretty common final, that one, actually. They they seem to meet uh, in the finals. So then, uh, uh, look, being honest, I, I've done my uh, predicted all the way through. had to hold myself back from uh, giving it to the Saints. But I've gone to Port Adelaide-Richmond grand final under uh, what I've got. So uh, I think we're both on the on the Tigers, but just, just who they play uh, in that big one. Uh, but, but no, yeah, I, look. I, I had the power playing Geelong. Oh, sorry, power. So I've got the power in there too, but I think the Tigers might uh, might get up there. Um, given my, if you follow my finals track, uh, you'll find the Tigers play the Cats in another prelim, and I just after the weekend, and we we might get to it, but uh, the form of the Cats. So uh, I did have the Saints winning one. We might sneak one over the Dogs, but that that could be my uh, one eye showing there. But um, look, we're not far off. So I mean. Power lines, Richmond, Geelong, yeah. I mean, where did you have West Coast dropping out? Do they do they get through a, an elimination? Whoever they play. Well, I had them playing the Saints, and I had them based on no, no that's Thursday fair. just gone. I had them accounting for you very easily. Um, where do they play that home final? Yeah, that that's a tricky one. You could probably could you sink that one over in WA? Well, I don't think I don't think final? they can because of the quarantine. Teams will have to quarantine for too long, so they won't be allowed to play, thanks to the Premier. Um, sort of cost them having a grand final, but that's yeah, a story for so, another day. So if, I think Ad, uh, West Coast will get the choice of where they want to play it, being yep. any of the states that allow them to play finals, and they've got a good record at Adelaide Oval, so I think you could see it being played there. A couple of finals at the Adelaide Oval, they, they wouldn't mind that. Um yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I guess, um, I mean, Ad, I'm interested because we had the same matchup. So you, 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 we both had the Tigers beating the Lions, obviously, up there at the Gabba. I know you mentioned the narrative before, but you can't I, trust the Lions. I mean, Harris Andrews uh, and his hamstring concerns yeah. me. Yeah, I, I did. And look, it's going to be Dewey, and that just suits Richmond's game style. Um, and it's just unfortunate is what it is, um, playing them all there, all up in Brisbane. Um, but I think the long-term impact of playing them up in Brisbane will be fantastic for growth of the game up there, so well yeah. worthwhile. But, yeah, I had Port and Richmond going straight through the prelims. Um, and then the Geelong and Brisbane being the other two top four sides playing off against the opposite team in yes, the prelims, yeah. except I had Geelong getting through because I just think I don't think Richmond have been that great. I just think they've been more consistent across the board. Um, and maybe I just... I don't know. Maybe I just don't like the Tigers. So I might say. <laughs> and that's fair. We should say as well that we uh, we did hold off until uh, I can see now that the Pies have saluted over the sun. So that, that did come into our thinking in case there was a little slip of the tail there. But uh, the Pies have got the job done and they're currently getting themselves uh, into a nice little spot in the eight, so um, there's yeah. that, but I want to move on to our mailbag, so I might I might hand it over to you, actually, if you, if you want to take the mailbag, given the, given the content. Yeah, look, this um, mailbag this week came in from, uh, came in via Twitter, um, from a gentleman named Kieran, 
who suggested that Geelong have been getting away far too often. Geelong have been getting a free ride far too often, and there are far too many supporters out in the Western Districts um, carrying on, and they don't seem to <laughs> cop any flack for it. Um, I guess what, out, out there they, they wouldn't be, so I don't no. blame him for sending something in. And he, he just said, what do you think about Geelong's chances seriously? Um, and and sort of how are they travelling? So do I have to do that again? That didn't no. sound like a well-read mailbag question, did it? No, because I liked it because you didn't read what it said, which is potting the... Um, you know, potting the cat, sink the boots in. You said it better than that, so I yeah. reckon run with it. I knew I wasn't going to say I couldn't say that. It's not a mail yeah. that question. That's all right. I'll cut, the, I'll cut the middle bit. So I had a look at Geelong's record, and obviously they were formidable in the late 2000s. Um, some fantastic seasons. Probably should have gone four out of five and just, just stumbled at the last block uh, in 2008. Since that 2011 grand final... They've gone four and eleven in finals, and they have yeah. finished well up on the ladder several times. Um, so they've played in, I think, four prelims, and a lot of them, they have. I, I guess what might hurt them in that record is they've lost the qualifying final, won the semi, lost the prelim. So that's losing two finals in the same year. Um, yeah, you get the double whammy there. Yeah, which adds up. But you know, for a team that has. Joel Selwood, they've had Dangerfield for a fair bit of that stretch. Tom Hawkins. Um, and I guess at the back end of it, you had some retiring stars. You had Enright. Yeah, yeah Enright. Um, Scar- Harry Taylor's been a consistent player yeah. for, for that whole time. You had Scarlo running around there. Um, so maybe those blokes were just sort of at the end of their tether. But they, um, for a club that gets talked about as being super professional, and we did it. Last week, we compared yeah. them to the New England Patriots, which is that, that probably just about the highest compliment you can give a team. Yep. Um, they didn't have much real success in the finals in the last eight years, um, which, look, th- that might be a bit harsh because they've had a hell of a lot more than, than some of the, the big, in quotation marks, big teams in Melbourne. You know, your Essendon's, Carlton's of the world uh, throw throw our two teams in there Tom North Melbourne St Kilda um, but they look they'd really want to perform this year um, what I can't stand is when the commentators talk about geez danger I'd love a flag I was watching it on Friday yeah, night and that's, the, that's, doing his, their, that's the narrative they're stupid stupid compare the pair and it's Dusty versus danger and who's the better player and oh you know, I reckon I reckon danger would want Dusty's two premierships well no S, Sherlock. Yeah, like, I know. I think most would. Of course he wants his two. Dusty would probably want Luke Hodges four. Like, it's just basic math, but, you know. Yeah, and then Hodgie probably wants Michael Tuck seven. Yeah, I'm sure he would, Hodgie. Um, so, I, I I find that narrative really interesting because Danger's an out-and-out champion, but just hasn't won in the finals for whatever reason. It, it doesn't detract from his career, but people start ranking him as though it does. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, you, you find with, I mean, I don't I don't mean to bring the Saints into it, you, you're Nick Rewald, you're Matty Pavlich, um, you know, a, a couple of, I mean, Gary Ablett going further back. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, no flag is the be-all and end-all to, you know, 
put a little black mark on a career. I think, you know, if Danger retires without one, he's had he's a modern day great. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Who had the better career, Rewalt or Pavlich? Uh, oh, you, I'm too biased to answer this one honestly. Pav had a hell of a career. I mean, all Australian, all over the ground. He was a, he was a champion. I, I think it, he needs to be. He'll be a Hall of Famer in the AFL. That's for sure. I don't know about legend, but uh, uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. That's for sure. So, is that Saints bias or Victorian bias? Uh, that I pick Rewalt. Yeah. Uh, or well, that I may or may not have picked Rewalt. Uh Look, that's probably Saints bias, but uh, I mean, it does hurt him being over there. I think you find you need your uh, WA panel member on the uh, All Australian Committee, uh, not the All Australian, on the uh, Hall of Fame committee to push him over there. Oh, he'll um, no doubt be Hall of Fame. Um, I, I think he should get legend status. Playing three fifty, travelling from Perth. Well, he's the most travelled player of the games ever seen. David Mundy, David Mundy, be catching him. Yeah, he, um, yeah, true. Especially given they've done. Perth to Brisbane a few times this year, yeah. Um, yeah but I, th- I think Pav was criminally underrated for for a lot of that, um, just given he played out for Freo. Um, but I, I think the premiership detracting them in this team sport environment is quite harsh. Um, but you got to win it. That's that's, yeah, that's what it's, it's about. Um, uh- well, I mean, yeah, to pu- to push it back to the Cats, I mean, I don't, I don't know how relevant you think this point is, but I do find that they're, they're in this really nice little niche where they play Victorian teams, obviously, well, they play, you know, the Victorian teams in Melbourne and the travel isn't a factor, so that's fine. But then they play at their home stadium and they get all the perks, I guess, of being an interstate club. So they kind of have this dual, I guess, image going on where they get the best of both worlds and I think you might find it's actually drummed up their win loss in the home and away to the point where they're probably maybe a sixth or seventh team on the ladder but just the draw and being able to get a few of those home games against you know your sons for your lions um you, you're getting those in in uh, Geelong so it's just perked them up into a nice top four spot and maybe they haven't been a top four team because they, you know, I think that's been demonstrated that sometimes they've probably not been up at that standard, but they've won enough to get there. So I'm interested in that as well because I think that might have affected uh, the finals record based on that as well. Oh, it's it's a false home ground um, because the AFL is too stubborn to play a final down there, regardless of whether Geelong finish on top of the ladder or not. Um, they can win all the games they want down there and have this great home ground advantage, but they have to play their final at the MCG. Yeah. And that's what helped Richmond win the flag in 17. They had to play the qualifying at the G. Um, and Geelong, yep, I can tell you firsthand, they get carried away down there. They would <laughs> yeah. have been talking it up. So, oh, sorry, you got to actually go down the highway for this one. Um, yep, just straight on down there into Melbourne, over the bridge, over the Westgate, in you go. Um and then they look at a slightly different team. Um, will that happen again this year? I well, yeah, that that's the thing. I guess this year, it. Th- I mean, this is probably. I mean, they are the real cats, but you know what I mean. This this is the year where that's not a factor. So you know, they're they're flying. They're they're top four. Oh, I'm interested to see how it pans out. Yeah, it, it's going to be. Well, it's going to come right down to the finishing position. Um, I think. I think if the Geelong had their way, and they would never say this, they'd love to play Brisbane. They'd hate to play Richmond. 
and then Port Adelaide and West Coast, they probably fancy themselves. Probably they probably fancy themselves against Port, given. Yeah, I um, can picture them at the wherever that is. Uh, probably likely the Adelaide Oval. I think they've they've gone and beaten the power there numerous times, so that that doesn't scare them. But maybe. The trip to WA. Oh, well, I guess they'll, they won't be going to WA, actually. No, so scratch that. But I, I think the Eagles match up well against them, so they're probably not looking forward if that's a potential matchup. Yeah. Um, it would just be interesting where that matchup comes. Um, just based on ladder position, it would have to be in the second round of the finals with yeah, semi. one of them losing whoever finished in the top four, which I think will be Geelong. Um, one of them losing and then playing off the week after. But... Um, for my reference and for the uh, listeners' reference, uh, Victorian team home finals all at the Gabba. Have they have they announced what happens there? I mean, you, you mentioned before, uh, you know, Port picking, you know, the Adelaide Oval. Obviously, do, do the Victorian team? I know, yeah, Victorian bias coming through here again. But uh, do they get to pick, uh, you know, where where they're playing, or is it just a flat? They're all at the Gabba. The Gabba's the new G. Uh, I look. I think they will be at the Gabba. Um partly because of travel. Um, yeah. But I've, I've, I've read somewhere, and look, this will all come out when, when the AFL is ready to tell us, but West Coast may get to pick where they have their final, and it's got to be in one of the states that allows football. Um, yeah. From a put my North Melbourne hat on, I was wondering if we made it, would we, would we be allowed to pick Tassie? If we got the Tasmanian <laughs> government on board? That um, would be a, that'd be a great, uh, great bit of... Uh, well, I'd be interested to see how that would pan out. It, it, I can tell you it wouldn't pan story. out. It certainly wouldn't yeah. happen. Um, but uh, I think I think they'll all be at the G. Uh, the G. The, and by the G, you mean Gabba. Yeah. The, <laughs> good save. Um, but look, we'll, we'll find out when the AFL is ready to tell us. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the way it goes, isn't it? I guess we, we hear... I mean, they announced it was in uh, at the Gabba, but we didn't get the time till last week. So, yeah, as we mentioned before, it is that, that media cycle that they have really got their fingerprints all over. Um, I've got a stat of the week for you. It's, oh, magnificent. It's, it's probably not my one of my best, but I, I thought it was an interesting one. So tonight's uh, Collingwood versus Gold Coast game, Scott Pendlebury has had his first no-disposal quarter since 2009. So, and he was injured that day. So if you don't want to go that one, I'll give you one in 2006 when he would have been a, a mere pup coming up through the ranks. So it's a long time between drinks and you don't often see Pendles go touchless. So I think uh, you'll find that that might have, I mean, when Pendles is up, the pies are up. So, I mean, the Suns put up a fight and had their noses in front, but uh, I think Pendles might have kicked on after that uh, disposal as quarter. But I thought, you know, I'll point out that as a rarity in our game. Did they tag him, the Suns? Can't, I mean, it's a compliment to him if they did. I can't imagine they would have. Do you reckon he's that far gone? No, I, well, I would have. I think they've got others in, in that midfield that they'd probably look at first. I, I mean, that that's sort of... Pendles has been able to, uh, I guess, find his own footy, so I don't blame them if they did. But I think maybe maybe Trelaw would have... Trelaw came back... Taylor Adams, he's underrated. I think you might find they, they jump across to uh, to those two and, and, and Pendle seems to get off the chain, which is probably what Collingwood want. So um, I might have to catch the vision of that one and see exactly what went uh, what went down with the tagging. But, uh, yeah, I was no, surprised I, with that from Pendles. I just thought I'd ask because, yeah, you, you don't often hear of him 
you've seen I've seen him have quiet games, but to go touchless for a quarter is something you you don't see. Well, obviously you haven't seen it since two thousand and what was it? Yeah, two thousand nine or six, depending on which way you want to take. All right, I've got a stat for you, Tom, and I've had to venture outside of the AFL world for this one. Um, I like when you you pull a stat. Now, and outside the AFL world. Yeah, we've had to go outside. I didn't see too many statistical anom- anomalies in the AFL this weekend um, that were of much interest. But just going across the Nullarbor, which is probably the wrong direction, but over to the US where the NFL <laughs> kicked off this <laughs> yeah, morning. It's a long flight if you go that way, yeah. Um, uh, we had Cam Newton, your man. His yes. first start for the Patriots. Some he set the single-game rushing record for a quarterback for the New England Patriots today. In his first game, <laughs> look, I'm not surprised because that that's his, that's his game, and they wouldn't have done too much running with uh, with Brady in there. I don't think. Well, his rushing total today eclipsed two full seasons of Tom Brady. <laughs> that's that's just what he does. He breaks records, old Cam. Oh, I love it. That 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 is magnificent. And and just for our listeners, if they if they tuned into our NFL bonus episode, there, how did uh, Brady go for the uh, Buccaneers today? Do you, Look his age, or is he looking young and chipper in the Tampa Bay uniform? Look, I would say the lack of preseason really affected the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He um, he played a bit like his predecessor out there, Jameis Winston. He turned yeah. it over three times. Uh, couldn't really get the ball moving. Couldn't find Mike Evans to save his life until a late touchdown. Um, but that's that's the NFL sense of urgency. They'll come back next Sunday and do it all again. Yeah, that, that's it. One for, uh, I guess, as well, seeing the opening of the uh, LA Rams stadium. That's that's how, that's a stadium, that one. If uh, Marvel want to pinch any ideas, uh, go and have a look at that one, I think, with that uh, scoreboard in the, you know, that big uh, field long and covering all, all parts of the ground. It's a pretty impressive SoFi stadium, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, five billion that cost. Um, <laughs> now, if you do a value comparison, didn't the AFL just buy Marvel Stadium for a dollar? Uh, well, that that was the deal. I think they went uh, early. That was the deal. That was the deal. It was twenty twenty five for a dollar, but they went. I think it was only like last year or maybe the year before, and they. I think it was two hundred mil or something like that. But yeah, that that was the deal. The handshake deal, a dollar. That's not bad. Yeah, five. But five billion in LA—that's yeah. That's that's five billion US is probably what seven bill Australian. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, Just for reference, to in in two thousand we paid four sixty million for uh, what was colonial at the time. So. <laughs> Uh, that that just sort of shows you the level of uh, commitment the commitment there. Yeah, that's I think they they build stadiums over there and they get a Super Bowl, so it's all all part of it over there, which we don't have. So I'd, you know, we can get into that in another week. But the AFL, the Grand Finals played at the MCG every year. Yeah, you, you so could build that stadium that. in Melbourne. <laughs> Sorry, it's at the MCG. Exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't change it. Now, I'm over to a segment I think you've been looking forward to, the, the upset of the week. You you saluted. Uh, I, I'm not sure if the intros seem... I've seen who have been doing a lot of the intros where you've picked it up. So you did it this week. You, you picked uh, picked the Tigers, which was a, a great tip. Uh, you were sitting pretty... I know the Cats made a little late run, but uh, you were sitting pretty for most of that night. So 
What'd you get? You got 220... 225. 225. 225. So that puts me ahead. I've had three correct tips to your yeah, two. you're on a roll. 7.45 points to your 6.1. So it is anyone's game. Um, but it brings us into the last game of the round. Sorry, the last yeah, round of the year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We we did say we weren't doing this for finals, so this is a, this is the last chance. This is the last game of the round. Well, Winner take all. Sort no, of I'm stuff, still is it? still happy to roll through it for finals. Okay. Um, the grand Until, final we can't do it. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So not over. Well, as our reigning champion, you you can hit off first. Yeah, I'm getting used to this seat. Very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Very comfortable. Oh, now geez. I'm going to throw one at you, and I don't have odds for it, so we're going to have to get them when they go up. Collingwood will beat Port Adelaide next Monday. It's next Monday, so we'll we'll be waiting for that one. That's actually not too bad. I'm looking through the rest. Um, we we spoke about North. I think the the season's long done. West Coast are playing for a little bit more. I mean, eight fifty was tempting. Um, Saints Giants. Oh, it's probably a little too close that one. Um, oh, by um, all means, you can have GWS at two ten. By all means, tip GWS <laughs> for two ten. No, it, it wouldn't feel right. Uh, can we trust the Bombers? I don't know. Adelaide, uh, I think. I mean, four fifteen's probably unders for them. I know it's at the Adelaide Oval. Them playing Richmond, I think. Get Rich- on the Tigers there. Richmond have got is. top four in their sites. Yeah, not, get on the Tigers there. Uh, Carlton aren't, aren't in great form. I think they've joined the the seasons all all done brigade. Uh, Hawks and Suns, I think that's actually probably going to be too close to have a go there. Cats are playing for too much. I'm going to... Look, I'm going to give Frio a chance against the Doggies here. I think up in, up in Cairns, uh, they beat the Ds up there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, doggies, I, I watched them yesterday against the Hawks, uh, actually going for the Hawks, which felt wrong. But uh, they were good, but they weren't great. They've, they've still got to work some kinks out. I think there might be a, a little chance for Freo to say, look out for us next year, and they might make a bit of a statement, I think. So I'm going to go the Dockers at 281. Yep, you can have the Dockers at 280. <laughs> I might need that one. We'll pencil uh, yeah. that in. That is, that's excellent. They are, look, they're winners. Just just have some faith in us. That about wraps it up. Uh, one for the listeners to go out on. Uh, Seb and I have turned up uh, to record this, uh, and it wasn't pre-planned, but we've both turned up wearing our Hampton Rovers hoodies without even planning it. So that just, uh, that's a little, little shout out for the great club Hampton Rovers there. Uh, but, Keep an eye out for that last round. Do your predictive ladders out there, uh, listeners, and send them through. We're, we're happy to take uh, your feedback and obviously get on our mailbag, 12rowsback at gmail.com. We want to hear from you, particularly as we get towards the the grand final. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on the results. Hopefully I'll be sitting pretty on Friday. Uh, Seb, your, your thoughts as we leave? Uh, no, stay safe, everyone. Look out for us on Twitter. We will be live tweeting through the last round, particularly through the finals, um, with some of our thoughts, um, interesting, crazy, and out there theories as well. Um, and trade rumours next week. I've got yep. some big River ones City. for you. I've got some big ones for you. Can't wait. Dustin Fletcher style. <laughs> <laughs>